Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. We started on a series last week, and um, we're going to continue along those lines this morning. Um, We started a series titled, God's Will Is, and we've been talking about the will of God. How many of you would like to know the will of God for your life? Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, show of hands. Who wants to know the will of God for their life? Amen. If you don't, if you didn't raise your hand, we'll pray for you at the end of the service. It'll be fine. Amen. Be all right. You'll be okay. No, we all want to know God's will for our lives. We should want to know God's will for our lives. And the cool thing is God's will can be known. God's will is not a mystery. Amen. It's not mysterious. And if it is mysterious to you, it doesn't have to be. There's good news. Amen. You don't have to be in the dark about what God's will is for your life. He actually wants you to know his will. He wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. That's a fact. Amen. He so desires for you to know that his will that he literally put his spirit on the inside of you. He literally put himself on the inside of you so that you could know intimately what his will and what his desires are for your life. And so we've been, we, we started talking about that last week, and we're going to continue along those lines this morning. Um, Before we do, let's make our confession of faith that we like to make together. You'll see it up there on the screen. We can read it aloud by faith. And it says, Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God. Praise God. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. This is our main text for this series. It's a popular text. It's probably one, a verse that you're familiar with. Uh, if you grew up in church or even if you've been around church for a significant amount of time, you've probably heard this before. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And it reads, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now, verse 5 gives us a little context, a little bit of understanding for verse 6, but verse 6 is the target. Verse 5 teaches us that we're supposed to trust in the Lord and that as we trust in the Lord and we don't lean on uh, you know, our own natural ways of thinking, that uh, as we acknowledge God, verse 6 tells us that he is going to direct our paths. So a moment of just quick review. Last week we said that there were two things that we wanted to remove from our thinking when it comes to God's will. Two things that we want to remove from our thinking when it comes to God's will. Number one was fear. Number one is fear. You can't be afraid to do the will of God, and you can't be afraid to miss the will of God. A lot of people get caught in between the two. I've talked to a lot of folks throughout the years and people that, even people that I've counseled at times in pastoral ministry, they're stuck in the middle. 
They're, they're, they're stuck in apathy because they're afraid to do the thing that God has called them to do, and they're also afraid to miss the will of God. And the reality is, if you're going to do God's will in your life, you've got to get rid of fear. You've got to banish the fear. Amen? And thankfully, God makes it easy for us to do that. Number two, we said last week that we needed to get rid of mystery. Two things we needed to get rid of concerning God's will. Fear, number one. Number two, mystery. It's not mysterious. God's will is not some mysterious force in the universe that can't be known. He wants you to know his will. He's intimately interested in you knowing his will. We said that God's will is more accessible than we think oftentimes. And it's actually, I believe, it's actually harder for you to miss God's will than it is for you to be in it because he's just that good. Amen? I, I, I said this last week. It takes more work to stay out of God's will. It takes more hardcore disobedience to stay out of God's will than it does to actually just be in his will. Amen? We said that the will of God is both the journey and the destination. You've heard the phrase throughout your life that life is a journey, not a destination. I submit to you that the will of God is both the journey and the destination. God has a place for you. He has a destiny for you. He has a calling for your life. He's got somewhere that he's taking you, and he wants to be intimately involved in the journey, and then he wants to party with you at the destination too. He just wants to be involved in the whole thing. Finally, we said the will of God for every single Christian is in this verse 6. That it's God making your paths straight. We said that last line, he shall direct your paths. When you read it in the uh, New American Standard, it says he shall make your paths straight. I did a little illustration with me and my wife where we walked together and she was, she was God and I was me being an airhead and trying to get off on my own and she pulled me right back. That's God making your path straight. It's easy to walk in the will of God when you're walking with God. Now today we want to turn our attention to that sixth verse again and I want to talk to you about in all of your ways acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. I did some study in the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew text of this verse, and I always encourage people that when you get the chance, go, go beyond just your Bible and find a way to dig into the native language, the original language of the text. There's a lot of great websites you can go to to find this information. I like to go to blueletterbible.org is what I like to study with, but go beyond just what you see printed on the page, dig into the original language, you'll always find something there that you didn't find just by reading it in English. So I looked at the Hebrew words for this verse, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. The first one is the word that we get in all your ways. That's one word in the Hebrew. And it means a way, a road, a distance, a journey, a manner. A way or a road or a distance or a journey or a manner. The next word, acknowledge, is the word yada in Hebrew. Doesn't that sound like a Hebrew word? Yada. It means to know or to perceive, to be aware of, to get to know, to discover, to foresee, to expect. Watch this one. To turn the mind towards something. That's kind of intense. 
to turn the mind towards something. When he says that in all of our ways we are to acknowledge God, means that in all of our ways we are to expect, we are to foresee, we are to perceive, to know, and to be aware of God. We're to discover God in the process. We are to turn our mind towards God. I want to encourage you, man, turn your mind away from the television. I can't pick this water bottle up today, apparently. There we go. Turn your mind away from the doggone TV. Put your cell phone down for five minutes and, and talk to God. Huh? Put the video game controller down. Why don't you shut the world out for a few minutes and begin to acknowledge God in all your ways? I, I thought that was very interesting to turn our mind toward him. This idea of acknowledging God was a hard one for me to grasp at first. I actually had a situation in my life where the Lord began to challenge me on this, and it kind of messed with me. I was in a church service with a, a good, dear family friend who was conducting the service. He's an evangelist. He's, he's got an amazing ministry, and we were in this incredible service. Miracles are happening. All this stuff's happening, and I came away from the service, and I was asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, why was it so powerful in this meeting? It was so amazing. You, you showed off, Lord. Why, it was awesome. How, how did that happen? Give me some insight. And um, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me real simply. He said, you know what? You can have this kind of stuff in your life. You can have my presence in your life too if you'll just acknowledge me. And he started to challenge me. He said, I want you to acknowledge me all the time. Every time you think of it, verbally say, Lord, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge your presence. And it messed with me. I'm going to be honest with you. It really messed with me. I thought, I don't know, God, that seems kind of weird. Seems kind of weird. Does it seem kind of weird to you guys? Or maybe just me? Lord, I don't, I don't know. Acknowledge you seems out of order, seems out of place. Like you're the one who ought to be acknowledging me. Like you give me a right to exist, not the other way around. It almost felt disrespectful for me to say to God that, I, oh, I acknowledge you, as though I was giving him a right to be there. Does that make sense to you this morning? That was, it was like messing with my head. And so. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with that. You're going to have to give me some scripture or something to stand on. And, of course, two or three days later, here I am reading in Proverbs 3. And, then of course, all your ways acknowledge him jumps off the page. And I was like, whoa, that's intense. Acknowledging God in everything is his will for my life. And I want to challenge you with the same challenge that God gave me, which is that every time you become aware or you begin to think about it, just say to God, Lord, I, I acknowledge you in what I'm doing today. I, I make myself aware of you in what I'm doing today. I mean, if you boil it down, it's as simple as this. Have you ever walked into a room and, and saw a person there that you know and avoided them? Just me, huh? <laughs> Nobody else had this scenario. Okay, yeah. Have you ever walked into a room and you just, you know somebody that's there and you, maybe you've even made eye contact with them, but you're avoiding them? What are you doing? You're not acknowledging them. I, I want to submit to you today that God wants to be acknowledged. He's present in your life whether you realize it or not, but he wants you to spend enough time and care enough about him to say, Lord, I know that you're here. Lord, I acknowledge you in all of my ways. 
So we said that it means to perceive, to know, to be aware of, to get to know. Acknowledging God, think about this. Acknowledging God ensures that his way becomes my way. Because I can't acknowledge God in something that he has no part in. So I want to submit to you this morning that this attitude, this perpetual acknowledgement of God, actually is a safeguard to keep you out of sin. Because you cannot acknowledge God in something he has no part in. You can, listen, you ain't going to get God's favor and blessing, you know, getting ready to rob a bank. Right? Can you imagine? Here you are getting ready to rob a bank. You and your buddies got three other guys in the getaway car. You're pulling on your ski mask, getting ready to go in, and you're just like, guys, before we go in, let's, I just think we ought to pray in the spirit for a moment. Let's just, you know what? Let's just say, Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you right now. We intercede over this bank robbery. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We speak confusion to the security cameras in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for wisdom when Johnny over here goes to crack the safe. Lord, we just thank you for insight and wisdom. We call, we call that loot in that bank to come into our pockets in Jesus' name. You're not going to get favor from God to violate his will. So to acknowledge him in everything invites him into the situation and actually becomes a safeguard to you to keep you out of sin. Because God's not going to bless something that's your mess. Amen? I love that. God's not going to bless your mess, man. He's not going to come down and get involved in something that he's opposed to. So just by acknowledging him, we can protect ourselves. And keep ourselves in the will of God. Acknowledging God and bringing him into every situation immediately reveals whether or not that situation is of him. Oh, you got to write that one down. That's a good one. That's a humdinger. That's tweetable. Acknowledging God and bringing him into every situation immediately reveals whether or not that situation is of him. Amen? Now, let's keep going. It says the third Hebrew word is he shall direct. There's actually only four Hebrew words. This whole scripture is just four words in Hebrew, and it's just these chunks. So the first word was in all your ways. The second word is acknowledge him. The third word is and he shall direct. And this is the word which means to make right or to make smooth or to make straight. You could say to make accurate. To make accurate. Finally, the word, your paths. He shall direct your paths. That's the word which means a well-trodden road, a long journey, a caravan. The reason I shared these Hebrew words with you is to hopefully shed a little bit of light on what's behind the message, what, what the intention of the author is. Solomon wrote these words to us. I want to read this to you based on the four different words that I just defined for you. This is the Josh Thurman version of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, based on the Hebrew. In all of your travels, get to know, get to perceive, and to be aware of God. And he will ensure that you're on the straightest, smoothest, well-trodden road that gets you to the destination he had planned for you all along. Amen. Let me read it to you one more time. In all of your travels, get to know, 
perceive and be aware of God, and he will ensure that you're on the straightest, smoothest, well-trodden road that gets you to the destination that he had planned for you all along. Amen. I came up with the best example. Well, I say I came up with. The Holy Spirit gave me the best example of this. I love when the Lord gives me a simple example that I and everybody can understand about complex spiritual things. Isn't it cool when God gives you just like a really good analogy? How many of you got a cell phone? Just a couple of you? Okay, everybody in this room. Listen, four-year-olds in Kenya have cell phones, so I know everybody in this room does. You got, a, you got a cell phone? You got Siri on your cell phone? You got a GPS? Everybody in this room's got a GPS on their cell phone, right? This whole idea of in all of our ways getting to know and perceive and be aware of God and he's going to lead me on the straightest, smoothest, well-trodden road, I immediately thought of my GPS on my phone. I mean, we, we use GPSs now for everything. I'm talking about like people use it to find the fastest way to the grocery store in the town that they live in. We are becoming far too dependent on the GPS of our phone, quite honestly. But this is a great, your GPS on your phone is a phenomenal example of how you and I are called to follow the will of God. It is a phenomenal example. Let me tell you why. The GPS only works when you acknowledge it. Right? The GPS only works for you when you ask it what to do. It only works for you when you say, I'm punching in these coordinates and it's going to get me where I need to go. And it only works if you listen to what it says. Right? Think about it. It only works. Listen, if it says go right and you go left, you're not going to get where you need to go. It only works when you acknowledge it. It only gives directions when you ask it to. Your phone doesn't barge into your life and start telling you where to go. But it will if you ask it to. Right? Come on, y'all, keep up with me. This is pretty, pretty basic. God doesn't barge into people's lives. He only works where he's asked to help. It's true. It's true. God does not, bar he's not going to barge into your life and force you to do his will. It's never going to happen. Selah. Think about that for a minute. He's not going to barge his way into your world and force you to do his will. If that's how he operated, then Jesus would have come back already and everybody on the planet would be saved. Think about it. Think logically about it for just a second. If God forced his will on every single human being, then every single human being would be saved and Jesus would have already come back and we'd all be hanging out in heaven right now. God only, or excuse me, the GPS only works when you acknowledge it. It only gives directions when you ask. God doesn't barge into people's lives. An example of this would be the fact that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time, right? But 
Even though he's everywhere, he only manifests his presence when people are there seeking him. Does that make sense? Just like the GPS on your car. You have to acknowledge the Lord in order for him to begin to reveal his will to you. But here's the cool thing. When you ask, when you say, Lord, I acknowledge you in all of my ways and I'm really hungry for your will and I really actually do care about what you think about my life, God, and I really do want to know what your will is, guess what? He'll show up right in the midst of your situation, just as real as the GPS shows up in your car and starts telling you where to go. I'm telling you, it's such a good example. I was sitting there and I'm going, oh, this is, this is a really good analogy. This works. This works. When you ask, when you, when, listen, when you turn the music down and you listen to what the GPS says, what does she start to do? That little voice in your phone, she starts to tell you where to go. I love this one. Tell me if you've heard this before. You are on the fastest route. You will be there in 15 minutes. Isn't that what she says? As soon as you punch it in, as soon as you, as soon as you know where you're going, you, you ask her, you push start directions, and she says, you are on the fastest route. You'll be there in 15 minutes. Think about this for a second. The GPS only tells you what the next step is. Oh, man, I want you guys to get this so badly. The GPS only tells you what the next step is. Why? Because that little lady in my phone that's shouting out directions, she knows that I'm on the road and that I only need to be focused on that next step. God doesn't show you the whole journey, just the next step. Do you know why? Because he's kind He's setting you up for success by giving you one thing to focus on. Oh, my God. Oh, I want you to get this. Just like the GPS on the very next move, you know, she says in 3.2 miles, get off on exit 103. She's only giving you the next step that's in front of you. Why? Because she knows that's all you need to focus on right now. You don't need the next five steps. You just need the next turn. What's the next thing I got to do? What's the next thing I need to focus on? God does this to us all the time. Why? Because he's merciful. Because he's kind. Because he's setting you up to succeed. You don't need to know the entire path. You don't need to know the whole trajectory of your life. If you trust him, he'll tell you that if you follow these steps one at a time, you'll get to the destination. That's why the scripture says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Listen, I know you think you know how to get there faster, but you don't. He does. I know you think that there's a shortcut. If I just get off at this exit and go around and get on the loop and then get on this road and then I'll, get, I'll avoid the traffic and then before you know it, you're way off course. He just gives you the next step and he requires that you trust him for the destination. Why? Because he's merciful. He's kind. He's actually setting you up for success. When you only see the next thing, Thank God for it. Say, Lord, I thank you that you're, you're propping me up to succeed by giving me one thing to focus on. <laughs> That's why Paul says in Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind 
and laying hold of those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's got one thing on his mind. You are on the fastest route. You will arrive in 15 minutes. I love Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is what shows you the next step. We're going to get into this next week, and we'll talk about how the word of God is where we find his will. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there. But just know that his word is what guides each individual step in his will. I love the next thing that my GPS tells me. After I punch in the coordinates and I start following, she says, I'm on the fastest possible route. The next thing she says, if I miss a turn, how many of you have missed a turn? Yeah, have you ever missed a turn? What's the first thing she says? Rerouting. Rerouting. If we will trust Siri enough to get us to Disney World or date night or wherever it is that you're going, how much more can we trust the Holy Spirit to reroute us when we miss a turn? Come on. How much, if we will, listen, if we will trust that little GPS in our phone that's telling us where to go, Y'all pay attention. You're good. If we are willing to trust that little GPS to get us to date night on time and we make a wrong turn and we miss it, we're, we're trusting that thing to get us back on course and reroute us. How much more can we trust the God of heaven and earth to reroute us when we make a mistake? See, that's why I said last week, you got to deal with the fear. you got to get rid of the fear because even if you miss it, he's good enough to get you back on course. Oh, you missed that turn? Get off at the next exit. Come on, get, get off at the next exit. Get off on this way. Oh, I'll reroute you. I'll get you where you need to go. Why? The GPS can get you there because it knows the way. The Holy Ghost can get you there because he made the way, because he made the road. I mean, if the GPS is good enough to get you where you need to go because it knows the way, how much more can we trust the Spirit of God who actually created this path for my life long before I ever even existed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How much more can I trust him? Don't be afraid concerning the will of God. Now, I want to, in closing here, I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to show you the sister verse that goes along with this Proverbs chapter 3. It comes from Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. This is so good. This is, this is David writing here. In Proverbs, we read Solomon, who was David's son. In Psalms, we're reading Papa David. And he says something very similar to what his son said in Proverbs 3. Although here he says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Sounds a lot like Proverbs 3, doesn't it? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Commit your way to the Lord. Sounds really similar. It's almost like it was written by a father and a son. (laughs) Right? But I want to focus on this verse 4 for just a second. Because we just talked about acknowledging him. You know, the GPS, it doesn't work if the music's too loud. Right? If the, if the distraction in your life is crying too loud, you won't hear the direction. Amen. Boy, that's good. I'm going to write that down. If the distraction in your life is too loud, you won't hear the direction. Amen. Thank God for revelation while you're in the middle of preaching. Isn't that fun? So we commit our way to the Lord. We trust in him. He brings it to pass. We're trusting God to get us where we need to go. Now look at verse 4 of this. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I want to close today for the next few minutes talking about the desires of our heart because when we deal with the will of God, we, we're, we do ourselves a disservice to separate our desires from God's desires, okay? Now, we've been taught for years. Some of us grew up in church, and they said to us, you know, they quoted Jeremiah, the heart is exceedingly wicked, Right? You have heard that before? There's a lot of scriptures that we could quote, and if we were to misrepresent them, we could think that, uh, that we're always constantly opposed to God, and everything that we're supposed to do is something we don't want to do. Anybody ever thought that way? Well, if I'm going to do the will of God, it's going to be painful. I'm not going to want to do it. I'm, I'm here to submit to you that God's will is the most joy-filled, f- satisfied, you know, complete place that you can be. You'll never be happier than when you're doing the will of God. As a matter of fact, I want to submit it to you this way, that the most miserable Christians are the ones who are avoiding the will of God for their life. You're actually going to have more frustration, more sadness, more tiredness, more fretting, more woe in your life if, you, if you're avoiding the will of God. To be in his will is to be in the center of his heart for you. And so here's the deal. When we're talking about the will of God, a huge factor to consider is the desires of our heart. The things that God has put in you have to do with his will in your life. He won't wire you for something only to call you to do something else. I'll give you a little little preview of 2020 at High Country Christian Church. You ready? We're working right now diligently to launch a program that we will have available to our church that will help everybody by providing spiritual gifts assessment and personality tests. In our membership course that we're working on to launch next year, part of that is going to be a spiritual gifts assessment so that you can find out how God has gifted you. Because when you know how God has gifted you, it actually helps you to understand what his will is for your life. It's amazing. So that's a little bit of a preview of what's coming down the road. But here's the deal. God would not wire you for one thing only to call you to something else. He's not going to give you this compassionate heart of somebody who wants to serve in this area and then, you know, call you over here to be an accountant. Right? Yeah, amen. I always pick on accountants. I don't know why. If there's an accountant in the room, I'm sorry. 
You know, we talk about like being right-brained and being left-brained, being creative and being analytical. God's not going to make you a creative person and then call you to some analytical job. And he's not going to make you an analytical person and then, you know, call, call you to be the next, you know, sculptor. It's, just, it's not going to happen, right? He's not mean. He's just not mean. I mean, just settle something in your heart for once and for all. God's just not mean, okay? He's just a nice guy. He really loves you. Yeah, he's got wrath and all this kind of stuff, but he's just very kind, and he wants you to succeed. He sets you up for success. So the areas that you find natural giftedness in are oftentimes huge, glaring red flags, not red flags, but huge indicators of what his will is for your life. If you're a creative-minded person, you're going to do something creative in your life. That's God's will for you. I'll give you an example. God bless you. I'm a musical person, right? Ever since I was a kid, I used to bang. I played drums growing up. I used to bang on my mom's pots and pans. I would get pots and pans out, and I would set them up in the kitchen, and I would just play drums on the pots and pans. I'm like two years old doing this. I come from a musical family. Everybody in my family plays an instrument and sings, or one or the other. My dad's got eight brothers and sisters. Every one of his brothers plays an instrument, and they're all fantastic. Music's in our blood. Well, let me tell you, it's part of my calling. When I travel and go to some other church, you know what they want me to do? Hey, brother, get up and sing before you preach. Just, you know, just bless the people with a song. When I go to Africa, that's the first thing they want us to do is sing. What, what new songs have you written, brother? Yeah, just, just get up and sing. Bless the people. Minister in song. I've prophesied from the keyboard before. I've ministered from the, why? Because it's a part of what God wired in my life that has everything to do with my calling. If you, listen, if you're called, if you're gifted in a certain area, you need to hold that before the Lord and say, Lord, you said you would give me the desires of my heart. My heart is filled with all these desires and all these giftings and these talents. Show me how to use that in your kingdom. You'll find his will really fast. God was strategic in the way that he created you. Your natural abilities will often point to God's will in your life. You're an administrative person, find a way to serve the kingdom administratively. You're a creative person, find a way to serve the kingdom creatively. It says here to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, last thing I'll say before we close. This word delight, another Hebrew word that I looked up. This one's tough. And I'll say it's tough because guys have a hard time with it. Men have a hard time with this word. Because it means to be soft and pliable. The Hebrew word translation, get this guys, this is going to mess your day up. The Hebrew translation of this word delight is the word dainty. Dainty. I was with Jeff and I were at his house yesterday. We're, we took a couple of our kids to go shoot guns in preparation for hunting season. Praise the Lord. All the church said amen. And, uh, and we, we were putting together some targets. I was helping him build some targets. And he, I think he cut himself on a screw or a staple or something. And he looked at me. He's like, man, I'm getting soft. I said, Jeff, if you're getting soft, I'm squishy. <laughs> <laughs> But see, as guys, we have this desire to just be hard, 
to be firm, to be, you know, guys. (laughs) We watch sports like football. My wife watches Downton Abbey, okay? I watch football or soccer or whatever. We watch, we watch competitive things. We watch, you know, guys trying to kill each other, basically. But God says to us, I want you to be soft and pliable. It's not an external thing, guys. We can still be masters of our domain. We can still be kings of the gridiron, whatever you want to say. I don't know. You can still do your burpees, brother, and you still pump iron and squat 5,000 pounds. The question is not, can you be tough on the outside? The question is, can you be tender on the inside? The word delight here means to be pliable. Can God, does God have enough access to your heart that he can mold it the way he wants to? Because here's the deal, folks, and this is not just for guys, this is for everybody. The more we harden ourselves, the more difficult we make it for God to mold who who he wants us to be. And the more we stiffen ourselves, the, the more we set ourselves up for breakdown. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they, they have a potter's wheel in their basement. They love to make pottery, and they're getting very good at it. I know this because I have bowls and plates and things in my home to show for it. They're really good. And, and, and to watch them to work, they, they have this, this clay while it's soft, and they mold it, and they shape it, and they make it whatever they want it to be. Well, once they harden it in the oven, it's not going to change. The only thing left for it to do is to be broken. And I want to submit to us today that when we have broken heartedness in our lives, when we're broken and smashed and our lives feel like they're in a bunch of pieces, it's probably because we've been so busy hardening ourselves to the will of God instead of making ourselves pliable and saying, Lord, what do you want me to be? What do you want to shape me into? Because the reality is if you delight yourself in the Lord, if you become pliable to God, he will give you the desires of your heart. If you let him shape you, he will actually provide your heart with desire. He will put what he desires in your heart, and then he'll mold your heart around what he desires. And your desire is now his desire, and you're walking together in his will. And he's making your path straight. Oftentimes, the reason we don't know the will of God for our lives is that we haven't allowed him to override our will. We've gotten stiff-necked. You remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? You stiff-necked, hard of hearts. Boy, that's tough, man. See, God wanted to move in their life, but they wouldn't let him. They had hardened their heart. God says, can you delight in me? If you can delight in me, if you can become pliable, if you can become soft on the inside so that I can mold you, I promise you I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. I will fill your heart with my will until my will becomes your desire. And I will literally mold your heart around my desire. And you'll have the thing that your heart cries for. 
the calling that he put there on the inside of you, the natural talent, the natural gifting, the natural ability, I guarantee you that's tied to his desire for you. And if you'll just let him use you in that gifting, if you'll just let him do what he wants to do in what he's already put inside of you, I promise you, you'll discover his will 100% of the time. His will is so easy. His will is to walk with him. His will is to acknowledge him. Turn the GPS on. Which way you want me to go, Lord? I'm acknowledging you. You know, it's one of the reasons that we oftentimes encourage people to have quiet time at the beginning of the day rather than the end of the day. When I was young and in youth group, I used to say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't like getting up early. I don't want to pray in the morning. I was young. I was in high school and college and stuff. I, I don't want to get up and pray in the morning. I'll pray at night. I'll spend my quiet time with the Lord before I go to bed. And sometimes I would. Most times I didn't. But I learned as I've gotten older the value of spending time with God in the morning because it gives me an opportunity to acknowledge him before anything else in my day happens. It actually gives me an opportunity to separate some time and greet him and acknowledge him and delight myself in him before anything else happens. It's one of the most valuable moments you can have with God is to seek him first before you seek your job, before you answer emails, before you get on Facebook or Instagram, before you check your email, before you do anything, before you brush up on the morning news. Have we acknowledged our maker? Have we delighted ourselves in him? I'm telling you, if we'll learn to do that, he will mold our heart around his desire, and it'll be beautiful. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.